Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Now, on with the show. That's my real estate model motto. My real estate motto is buy low, sell high. Keep going. Get paid, get laid. Keep going. Buy again. Buy higher. Pass go. Sell higher. My real estate motto is pass go every single time. Collect those 200 big ones. Don't even buy houses. Rent. Squat. What are you, a millennial? My real estate motto is always be squatting. Where I just, that would be a show where you take a young couple and you just encourage them to squat in a house. <laughs> what would that show be called? It'd be called... Squat it or squid it? <laughs> are you going to squat in this house or are you going to quit squatting? Are you going to squat or not? Squat or not. Yeah, it's going to be called couple squat or not. Yeah. That sounds. <laughs> also, sounds like a porno site that I've seen before. <laughs> Are we recording? We've been recording oh, since great. yesterday. Oh, good. Welcome to Reverse Psychology. Welcome to, to Reverse Psychology, and we're both here. Well, are we not? I had some concerns last week that this oh, week it would just be me. I was tired. You were talking about quitting. Well, in retrospect, I said I was kind of in a bad mood, and then you finally admitted that you were also in a bad mood that day. I just didn't want you to feel alone. This is Dr. Diana. I'm a licensed psychologist and board certified behavior analyst. Popcorn to me. (laughs) I'm Dr. Mike. I am a clinical psychologist, adult category, and I am a recently accomplished Ragnarian. Yeah, good job. From Ragnarok. Down to Ragnarok. Down to Ragnarok. Down to Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Yeah, we just finished a Ragnar. Yeah, we did it. Dr. Diana, what's a Ragnar? I think it's a. It's a company. Okay. Well, no, because there's... Way like, to take the air out of that excitement. <laughs> there's lots of different types of these runs now. Bay to shore or bi- mountain to beach or... Mm-hmm. You're treating have- this like 21 questions where you're getting like the peripheries <laughs> of what we did. Eventually, they're going to guess. I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay. But this Ragnar... This is only a 45-minute podcast. Ragnar is like a um, type of relay race. It's a three-legged trail race. It's oh, a you'd three, fall so much. It's a three-legged potato sack race. <laughs> For 24 hours. <laughs> Three sacks. You're jumping through the woods. Um, No, it's a... There's two different types of Ragnars. There's the van, van yeah. road van. White panel van. And, and the trail. backwoods. We did trail. This, this definitely now sounds like it was a company created by people who specialize in abducting people. Right. Do you want to drive in a white van overnight and hop in blindly after you're tired? Or do you want to run around blindly in the woods alone at night? We didn't do a tick check, which we should. No. No, we shouldn't? No, we didn't. Oh. Yes, we should. At this point. Lyme disease is already here. So the trail one is, it's supposed to take you 24 hours. I think it took us 25. It took us 24 and a half. That is the dog trying to he's, wrestle with their new bark collar. He definitely stopped when we looked at him, though. He hates it. Yeah, it took us 24 and a half. So there are eight people, friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 24 hours. What happens when they stop being nice and start being <laughs> real sweaty and cranky in the woods? You each run. It's a. It's hard to describe because I feel like... There's three loops. Yeah, I mean, you can describe it. And then you take it, turns but... running in the loops and then you hand off a bib. So... You always it's have, a relay race. Yeah, you always have one person in your team running. Yeah, but it, yeah. yeah. So you, you run all three loops. Sometimes in the daytime, sometimes overnight. Yeah. It was fun. It was really great. We did a good time. It, it, you did, did a great a job. Time. Thank you. you. We had estimated times. That way we knew when to look for people to come back in from the woods. And you you consistently came in under your projected time. I didn't. 
but two of the three runs I did. So the majority of the time, you yeah. came in. Yeah, I did take, good. Just take the fucking compliment. Okay, I got it. Okay. Take it. What are you going to do with it? Put it Don't, in my do craw. Do not re-gift it. Put it in my craw. Cap. We, yep. Yeah, we got craw caps at the relay race. <laughs> oh, we, we came up with a new podcast idea. Yeah. In we, case this we, one doesn't work out. We had out. to start brainstorming because I thought you were going to quit the podcast. <laughs> and so we came up with some other ideas for shows. Local news and zoos. Local news and zoos. Because I'm obsessed with local news stations. And I'm obsessed with local zoos. <laughs> this has been. <laughs> no, I I do love small town local news You and David stuff. Sedaris. Mm-hmm. Blacksburg, Virginia used to have the best local oh, news. Oh, she's the one that got shot. Yeah, she got murdered. Yeah, on air. On Yeah, it was horrifying. I saw it. Yeah. It was awful. Do you remember the Baltimore local news station? I mean, I remember that it existed. My favorite thing from there is we had a big snowstorm and they threw to like the man on the street and he was <laughs> in a McDonald's drive through trying to aggressively order a f- fried fish sandwich at seven in the morning. <laughs> I do remember that. And he's like, oh shit, I'm on air. Hold on. You got fried fish? <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys, you guys got to wait. I'm busy. And he just kept trying to order fried fish. And they're like, sir, for one, you should never order a fried fish from here. Wow. Is that still available at all McDonald's locations? Big Mac filet of fish, quarter pounder, French fries, ice cream, vanilla shake, sundaes, and apple pies. This does bring us to our next (laughs) item on the agenda. We are officially sponsored by McDonald's. McDonald's is finally in the podcast game. That's a lie. Are they already? We're We're not sponsored by them. Were you worried that people would think we were? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to endorse them. You're the best at improv. <laughs> Hi, I'm your doctor. No, you're not. You're an improv actor. I don't want the audience to think we that you're We did have improv. a friend who was an improv actor who on the side played medical patients for interns. For like for students. Yeah, for students, That's which cool. I think is a really funny job. It is a fun job. I didn't so even what, know it existed. What's your obsession with local zoos? Is well, it the it's sadness? Not, yeah, it's not actually the... Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an obsession, but in not a good way. It's it's like a it's like we should close them all, so I want to expose them. Oh, so I you know what we should do hmm. we should do a show where we first half close the news and the zoos. No, no, no. We first, oh, yours is like a happy like first half. This is great. We do do an uh, interview with the the news, mm-hmm. and then we recruit them to expose the zoos. Oh, that's a good idea. We can do two episodes in Utica. The Utica news is pretty awesome. Yeah, but we have the, the Utica reason Zoo. this came up is because. Mike said this morning something about the Utica Zoo, which made instant. I've I never just sang been. The song. I was. It, but I, it makes me instantly sad. I was awake for like sixty straight hours, and then I slept <laughs> extremely hard for tw- for ten hours, <laughs> and then I was walking around the house just saying Utica Zoo, 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 the Utica Zoo. So much fun for everyone at the Utica Zoo, and like thirty kids go, yeah. Yeah, there's 30 visitors. You know, even sadder than the Utica Zoo? What? Fort Ricky. It's like some dude's backyard. It's a petting zoo. Well, the zoos that actually have like animals that they brought from other places. Like if it was just like you go look at local animals that live in their habitat, be like one thing. Wild cats. We should open a cat zoo. We have they so have many. them. Oh, cat. Like, yeah, just oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we should open a coffee shop. No, there's already a coffee shop in the world. <laughs> we shouldn't open another one. Open a cat zoo. Cat, a cat cafe? No, just a cat zoo. Just we'll, ca- people come look at feral cats? Yeah, we, we have small placards with their names. Okay. This one's Rosemary. She's feisty. Okay. On psychology-related news, do we have any reviews? <laughs> Well, we have a review slash a plea. 
Oh, okay. And then I have one more psychology-related thing to say, and then we can start to start the show. Okay. So this one is from uh, from, <laughs> from from Eric, who intentionally chose a, s- a difficult name for me to say. <laughs> it, it is Eric one one one. I think it's a lowercase L or an uppercase I one one one. The title says "Don't Stop." I says I've been listening to every episode since about number eleven, and I love it. Very, very funny and informative. I was distraught to hear Doctor Diana wasn't sure how long she wanted to keep doing the show for. Hmm. Crying face. Sorry, you made Eric, Eric cry. One eleven, a little one eleven. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was in a bad mood. I'll just admit it. It was a hard week. We were both in bad moods, actually. Don't throw me under the bus. Well, you were. I was in a great mood. I was in a great mood until two minutes into the show. You were like, "Do you want to be doing this?" <laughs> Don't blame me for... This actually leads into today's topic. My bad mood? Don't blame me for your bad mood. Okay. It's what I'm calling today's topic. That's good. Um, Did you find a lot of research on it? Yeah. It's just research that I've been running since we moved into this house. That's cool. About my bad mood, your bad mood. Eric, There's some tally marks. Eric, we were packing up the recording studio and we had a big close sign on our door. And right before we flipped the light switch to close down, your review came in and you're like, we well, you know what? Eric. We're doing it for you. Eric's right. And this one's for Eric. So Eric, if you DM us your email address, we're just going to start direct mailing you our episodes. Well, you just get them anywhere. I know, but it's still going to be free, but we're only going to give it to you when you ask for it. (laughs) We're the first consensual podcast. Mm -hmm. All right. So getting, do you want to... You want to get into it? One really quick thing, because I just saw a news article before we started. Okay. I haven't fact-checked it, so don't don't worry. I'm sure it's honest. Donald Trump went went to like a press picture (laughs) opportunity and turned it into a 35-minute rant. In it, he was saying he's opening an investigation about the regulations on like power conservation. Mm -hmm. Because he said low-energy light bulbs make everybody look orange. And really? Yeah. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's funny when people are more narcissistic. I'm not saying he's narcissistic because I can't diagnose him, which we'll talk about later on in a different episode. <laughs> uh, but people who tend to have higher rates of narcissism also have a, a difficulty to take other people's perspectives. And so their assumption is everything I'm experiencing is universal. So it's kind of like that person at work who is very narcissistic and mean came to me and said, hey, nobody likes you. And I was like, no, oh, you so you don't like me and you're assuming it's everyone's problem. Right. Uh, but, no, no, no. So but also it justifies their not like of you. Yeah. I know. Absolutely. Because it's like, it's not my problem. Yeah. Everyone. everyone. Yeah. It's global. Yeah. So, but, but it's so funny. So Trump said two things that make me really laugh because it's clearly problems he's noticed in himself. And he's like, everyone is experiencing mm-hmm. this. One is that low power light bulbs make everybody look orange mm-hmm. and all toilets in America are too weak because everyone needs to flush them 10 to 15 times to get everything down. <laughs> how, first of all, look at him. Yeah. Yeah. But how bad is your diet where, because it's also, you can't rapid fire flush. Like it takes a couple minutes to refill. Yeah. He's Trump missing is, a lot of work. Trump is, you know, like there's the, those exposés like Trump spent the equivalent of a month and a half golfing. How many days of his presidency <laughs> has he spent trying to flush the toilet? Yeah. Every time he goes, it's been it's forty five minutes of flushing. Yeah. <laughs> That's not even including wipe time. Plus, you would imagine he has like really good toilets. Yeah. That, well, that's what he's saying. Uh, he is the best. And he has to flush 10 times. The common America must flush, what, 20, 30 times? Yeah. That's why the economy is getting bad, Diana. Probably. Okay. 
I just wanted to bring that up. Thank you. If you flush 10 to 15 times, write us at rev.psychcast at gmail.com. R-E-V period P-S-Y-C-H-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And tell us how many times you flush and we'll refer you to a doctor. How many times do you flush? Once, if that. (laughs) All right. Today's topic is... You're going to be, I think you're going to like this because you know a lot about it too. Okay, good. So I'm looking to you to fill in holes. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah, Hey-o. High five. Yeah. So I want to do a series about depression. Okay. And there's so many different angles to come from. We've had um, some requests on this and then we've had some like general depression stuff. And then we've had like some like medication Mm -hmm. ideas that we want to talk about with our psychiatrists. Yeah. Friends. Psychiatrists. Psychiatry. So um, today I'm going to talk about one of the theories of d- depression, where okay. depression comes from, and it's learned helplessness. <laughs> what is that? I know it. I, I recognize it. It's like when you're at a show or for your dad, you're and at a concert. they play your favorite band. Well, when when they play like, your favorite song. Yeah, when they play your favorite band. When you're seeing like Devo and they're like, this next one's a Talking Heads one. You're like, I prefer them. <laughs> and those are two really dated references. No, it's like when you're, the band you're seeing is like noodling around and then they're finally like, Batman. And you're like, that's Mbop. That's why I bought this ticket. <laughs> the Hampson. Hanson. No, it's the all ham covered Hanson band. <laughs> all right. So, um, so we're going to talk about learned helplessness. And um, I want to present, first of all, that Stand up. this is one theory of depression. There are many theories mm-hmm. of why people suffer from depression do you know the percentage of people who experience depression at any point in a year yeah it's like a third it's a quarter quarter it's a little bit more than a quarter okay so it's between a quarter and a third (laughs) yeah okay it's high more towards a quarter but so what would have to be going on for you to fall into that like a little more than a quarter a little less than a third like what are the symptoms yeah well, let me just tell you okay. that um, that it is the most common diagnosis, psychiatric diagnosis, mm-hmm. leading some to refer to it as the common cold of psychiatry. Huh. Yeah. What do you huh. think about that? I agree. Okay. Because I, 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 know, I know you're probably going to get to it, but because much like the common cold, the depression is mostly caused by going to sleep with your hair wet. <laughs> Which also is not a reason that you get a cold. What? Outside. That's why I shave my head weekly. Oh, well. I haven't gotten a cold sense. Good fact finding. Good science. Mm-hmm. And good science to you, And sir. good science to you, sir. <laughs> um, Ha-ha! What, do you want to talk about this? You want to talk quickly about the symptoms of depression? I don't have the DSM in front of me. Yeah. Before I say the symptoms, okay. keep people under your seats, I do want to say with depression, mm-hmm. much like with a lot of psych issues... But especially with depression, there's this concept called equifinality. Mm-hmm. So it means that multiple start points can all end at the same point. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's part of where a lot of these multiple theories of depression come from. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways you can get to depression. Mm-hmm. So there's like, what you're, you're going to go through all those those different theories. But mm-hmm. um, So if you have depression, it doesn't mean that every single person got to depression because of this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. That makes sense? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. To meet criteria for, and so for this one, it's just major depressive disorder. There's a whole cluster of depression diagnoses, uh, but this is like, 
the main one. And maybe someday we'll talk about the other kind of more niche hipster versions of depression. Like dysthymia? But it, like dysthymia, like other depressive disorders. Yeah. Okay. Because there's come some. Let's that talk are, about MDD. Yeah, we're going to have an adult. Per the DSM, the individual must experience five or more of the following issues. For how long? For at least two weeks. Within a. Or it doesn't matter. Within within a two week period, almost every day I'd be experiencing okay. this, and so that's that's what kind of what I was getting at, at asking what people have to experience. Because if you have this for like one day, yeah, you feel depressed, but you like don't have depression. It's like you you wouldn't meet the full criteria for a chronic issue because mm-hmm. the feelings are common. So five or more of the following during the same two week period, one of the five have to be either a depressed mood. Or loss of interest or pleasure in activities. One might call that anhedonia. Mm, favorite rock band. One, depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day. For two weeks. For two weeks. Two, markedly diminished interest or pleasure in all or most activities. For two weeks. Most of the day, nearly every day. Three, significant weight loss, non-intentional. Or weight gain, <laughs> also not intentional. Yes. <laughs> not intentional. Also, whatever. Keep going. Uh, or an increase or decrease in your appetite nearly every day. That can't be attributed to other stuff. So, like if you're dieting and you're losing weight and your appetite goes up, like that wouldn't fall under the criteria. Also, if you have some sort of health issue, so if like your thyroid's going wild and you're gaining or losing weight, which can also cause symptoms of depression and yeah. is often the first thing that people look at. Absolutely. Four, slowing down of thought or reduction in movement, uh, which used to be called in the DSM a retardation, which is actually the proper use of the word. But like middle school boys have co-opted it, so we can't use it anymore. The other side of that is feeling restless or on edge or agitated, which is why for men, depression also often looks like anger or having anger because they feel really on edge and keyed up and agitated. Fatigue or loss of energy nearly every day. Six, feelings of worthlessness or excessive and unfounded guilt nearly every day. Seven, a diminished ability to think or concentrate or indecisiveness nearly every day. And then eight, recurrent thoughts of death, suicidal ideation without a specific plan or a suicide attempt or a specific plan at committing suicide. Okay. For that one, it doesn't need to be nearly every day. Just if it happened at all in the two weeks, it would, it would qualify. Mm-hmm. All right. So that sets us on the path to talk about this. So what I was saying before is that the sort of the three main theories of depression come from a behavioral perspective, the cognitive perspective, and the humanist perspective. Under behavioral, depression is caused by the person's interaction with the environment and that they've experienced more punishing types of consequences for behavior than otherwise. So it's like mm-hmm. you go to work, your boss tells you you're doing a bad job, you kind of hate going to work as a result. And then that leads you to miss work a lot. And then your performance suffers. And so like, it's just a cycle of like putting yourself out there and receiving negative, I don't want to say negative consequences, because that's an incorrect use of the term, but feedback, aversive consequences. Mm -hmm. So that's that's Skinnerian. And then the one we're going to talk about the learned helplessness is a part of behavioral. It's a more classical conditioning take, but we'll talk about that. And then the second theory really is um, coming from a cognitive perspective. So this is Beck does well he's the one who is no longer a scientologist no not that beck oh glenn beck not that beck aaron beck Mm -hmm. a a ron beck yeah and um he's his whole idea of depression is errors in thinking essentially like we have these errors in cognition and that's a whole other topic that 
yeah, we could cover yeah, we'll do that one in depth. Time. And then the third one is the humanist perspective, which um, the person associated with that is Maslow. So if you ever heard anyone talk about Maslow's hierarchy, it's like this triangle where at the bottom you have like grains, your bread. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about that. They re they uh, they redid the the Maslow's nutrition. into a plate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Michelle but, Obama and Maslow did that collaboration. Yeah, collab. It's great. Oh, it's so, it's it's hot fire. Anyways, at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy is like the basic needs, getting fed, having safety. That's a different level. Okay. Well, so, so basic needs like shelter, mm-hmm. food. Air. Whatever. And then as you go up in the different levels, you can... Re- you can get to a self-actualization level, which is where you experience like, this is more about like experiencing fulfillment and happiness. Mm. So a lack of those things would be sort of the de- depression. And as a quick aside, those are from like a psychology standpoint. And there's a whole other world of biological yeah, theories call, of depression. Like which good, good, when good, we good, have good, our good. psychiatrist friends come in, they'll probably but, yeah. more talk from that angle. Of well, like, yeah. And maybe we don't know, but maybe that's also related. I mean, it it's very likely related to cognition. No, no, no Absolutely, because first, like, there's some theories with like a relative right underactivation of the brain is really common in depression, but that's also where more like unpleasant thoughts and like danger associations come from. And so, sure. So, like, what's the? It's like it's sort of the neuropsychological yeah. perspective. We're like the function; they're the form. All right. So, what is learned helplessness? Well, I'm gonna ask 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 and answer my own question. <gasps> Ooh. Dr. Mike really wants to answer, but this is my topic, so I'm going to do it. I just have to go to the bathroom. So basically, if you ever have asked yourself, I'll ask you, Dr. Mike, have you are ever... You are you going to be the voice in my head? No, have you ever asked yourself, what's the point of doing this? I'll probably fail anyway. Uh, I don't think you would do that. No, I actually don't think that. Yeah, I don't no. think you think that way. <laughs> no. Um, well, when I was younger, yes. I don't want to present this in a way that like this is bad or wrong no, it's, it's just understandable thing yeah it's understandable and it's something that's treatable so yeah. especially if you think about it from this perspective i think yes i think younger yes when i got around like college age and started learning more about psychology and did a lot of like oh i can like do something about that i think then i became very deliberate about like challenging whenever that would come up so this really came about in a paper in 1967. Do you know who the researcher was? For learned helplessness? Yeah. I used to. Sal. Salivary. Uh-huh. Gland. Seligman. 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 He S-E-L-I-G-M-A-N. Seligman? Seligman. So he kind of came about this by accident, which is how a lot of great theories are formed. Oh, yeah, because wasn't he just like hanging out and electrocuting dogs for fun and then realized they're acting weird? Yep, yep, yep. What a Um, fucking creep. Yeah, so he, well, he was doing classical conditioning experiments. So he was trying to extend like Pavlov stuff like was, 100 years later. Not not to interrupt, but this is what you the show did. is all about. Was he directly... Not to interrupt you back, but... In the... I'm just going to plow through. Okay. <laughs> was he directly in the family tree of Pavlov? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how he was academically related, but he was 100 years later, so he... Oh, you, okay, that, that's, that helps. Yeah. I don't know if he was like a student of Pavlov. Well, I mean, he could have been. There's nothing fun to do in Russia, but... Yeah, no, I don't think so, but you'll look that up, I'm sure, mm-hmm. and interrupt me with the information. When it is the least opportune. So he was, it, and again, going back to this like unethical 
um, experimentation, different year, different era, different IRB. No IRB. No IRB slash no IRB. So he was like hanging out, like Mike said, ringing bells and shocking dogs. What? There's a picture online of, it's a cartoon of what the experiment looks like. Mm. And they made the dog a puppy. (laughs) So ring a bell, shock Ring a bell, shock. So like any classical conditioning experiment, you have the stimulus-stimulus pairing. So basically the dogs learned after the bell. I think this was actually a bell. So let's be honest about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also like a light. And I don't, not in this one. Okay. Oh, you, this is the first one. Yeah, this is the first one. So after the ringing of the bell, the dogs learned to anticipate the shock. And so they became just really docile and like, because they couldn't do anything to escape it. So they would just lay down and take it. Then he had another condition where he had a little button that the dogs could boop with their nose. And I know. And so he trained them to understand that he trained them to exhibit the behavior i should say that if they booped the button with their nose they could stop the aversive shock from coming so it was like two conditions then essentially there was a bell shock condition with no escape Mm -hmm. and then there was a bell shock condition with the button boop it with with, with an opportunity to the opportunity to escape turn off the Mm -hmm. pain Uh right so right also the name of my emo band opportunity to turn off the pain yeah it's it's, or just turn off the pain the the album cover is actually pretty cool i got an award for it it's me in a dog costume and there's a button that says reality (laughs) it was it was called artistically confusing Won an award. Won an award. <laughs> yeah, my mom gave it to me. I won a first place ribbon. Um. <laughs> yeah, the, I got it. Okay, we gotta go. We gotta get through this. <laughs> got it in the mail from the Grammys. Okay, but the return address was my mom's address. Okay, we gotta get through this. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. It's a little bit delirious from lack of sleep and then too much sleep. We had some REM rebound sleep last night. I had so, so many so fucked up dreams. All right. So, so Luby. Luby. <laughs> when I, <laughs> no, when I sleep hard we gotta and get long, through this. <laughs> wake up covered in lube. <laughs> okay. We got to get through this. All right. So then one condition, dogs, they could stop the aversiveness. One condition, they couldn't. And one condition was the control condition where they didn't get any shocks. Then he put all those dogs one by one, not all at the same time. <laughs> in a bag. <laughs> he just dropped them. <laughs> he put all those dogs into like a two-sided crate, essentially. And like he would put the one side of the crate had the shocks and the other side didn't. The dogs in the shock chamber, if they had been exposed to the bell, the unpredictable bell and shock and not no escape, they would just lay down and take the shocks and wouldn't jump to the other side. Even though physically they could see there was another side, they didn't even try to get there. So to put this in like a timeline, so dogs that were in like routinely in an environment where they are given pain with no opportunity to do anything about it. They right. had no control no over it. Mm-hmm. When they were then given a condition where they were put through pain and they were shown an opportunity to leave. Yes. yes thank you. They would just lay down and take it. Yeah. They wouldn't do anything about it. So oh, they would just okay. lay down and take the shocks. So then the dogs in the other two conditions, the control condition with no shocks and the 
control and the other experimental condition with the opportunity to escape both those dogs equally jumped to equally got the fuck out of yeah, there yeah they were like what the fuck this is yeah. lame i'm gonna get out of here yeah i'm gonna run away yeah so both those conditions of dogs were like i i got this I see that other side. I'm going to go to it. Did those dogs then circle back to the dog laying down? They're like, Becky, you got to leave. <laughs> no. And, she, and Becky was like, no. this, he loves me. Oh, that's so sad. Um, No, 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 no. So he classified this or he termed this learned helplessness. They'd learned to give up. So how did this translate to humans? Hiroto was 1974 okay so he was the one who first tried to translate this to human beings oh he shocked people no not really i mean sort of not really he did the same thing with college students i don't know where he was can you look up where Hiroto? how do you spell it h-i-r-o-t-o 1974 okay i need to be a little bit more specific because a lot came up from Hiroto. 1974 you can do learned helplessness maybe look as a control and learn helplessness. i'm gonna guess harvard yale hopkins he doesn't have his own Wikipedia page. Really? Yeah. He's like amazingly cited. Okay, but university? But Donald Hiroto. Let me look, at, look up Donald Hiroto. He might be from Penn because that's where Martin was from. Penn State is interesting because they have another researcher I'm going to talk about. So Hiroto. He took three groups of college students and instead of shocks, he produced loud noise. So it was the same conditions as the dogs. University of Pennsylvania. Okay. That's where he did this research, at least. Okay. So um, so Pennsylvania is a hotbed of learned helplessness research. Have you ever driven through Pennsylvania? <laughs> Driving on the highway up through Pennsylvania is a, is an exercise in learned helplessness. You will, I, I walked to, right into that joke. <laughs> I, I used to drive to New York from Virginia a lot when I was in school in Virginia. And there would be miles of construction work where they would go down to a half lane highway it would, you couldn't you, do anything to escape it. And you, you couldn't escape it. And you would never once see a single goddamn human doing construction work. <laughs> it would be vacant. So Hiroto, 1974, replaced shocks with noise. So really loud noise. So he had three conditions. He had students. Oh, in, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, he had students in a, in a room that they had they were experiencing really loud noise with a button that they could use to turn it off. He had students with noise with no control to turn it off. And then he had a no, no noise control condition. So that was the first thing that they all did. They were in a room with the button, no button, or no noise, no button. Okay. Okay. All of them were taken to another room after where they had like a little box where they could move their hand back and forth to turn off the noise. Okay. They should use a hand motion to escape the noise. So the group that was the learned helplessness group sat passively and just took the noise. Mm -hmm. They just sat back and let it happen. The other two groups immediately looked for solutions on how to get that noise turned off. Okay, so they had to do they had to demonstrate some sort of hand motion that they figured out quickly. Okay, okay, so so yeah, I, just so I have it. Yeah, phase one. Some people were in a room with noise. They couldn't do anything about it. Right. And then two groups, either they didn't have any noise or they had noise, but they could turn it off. Yep. And then they're all individually alone in a room. Were they not told there was a way to turn the noise they off? They weren't told. Okay. So then they weren't told. That the, so They the, just had a little box in front of them. Okay. So then the so the people that were able to either never have noise or avoid the noise <laughs> were... They the both, classic 1980s Domino's commercial. Yeah. Uh -huh. they, they were, they had like the thought of like, oh, 
let me see if I can turn this off. Yeah. Whereas the people that experienced never being able to turn it off were like, oh, there must be no, no I think way to they told. I think they were told like there's some there's something you can do like with your hand in this box that can turn off this noise. Really? Maybe not. I don't I, know. I think I, it would I, probably, I'm, I think it'd be more I'm interesting. Short on details. <laughs> I think it'd be more interesting if you were not told anything because. Well, I don't know. I, I, can, I, I didn't write down that part. That's okay. Because I, I can see if I was in the condition with the noise and no option and I was put into another loud room, I would probably again be like, oh, this is yet another loud room. Mm -hmm. there's nothing i can do about it okay so that was the basic condition right yeah then the pumpkin spice latte condition ugg boot condition and then there was the chipotle condition then he repeated the experiment with the people getting the learned helplessness condition so the noise with no control to turn it off he gave everyone a personality test up front I don't know which one because I'm short on details. That's yeah, okay. But he grouped people into two different groups. One group was more external locus of control and one group was an internal locus of control. Okay. And Dr. Mike, what's the difference between those two? It's all about your perception of how your actions translate into action in the world. So internal, you have the idea that something you are doing can change how the world is running. Mm -hmm. So it's like if I am cold in a room... And I think that if I go turn up the thermostat, it's going to get warmer as an mm -hmm. internal locus of control. Like, I can do that. If I have an external locus of control, it's the idea that I my actions won't do anything. Mm -hmm. So, like, at work, at least specific to temperature, I have an external locus of control where I've been punished with cold air in my office for years. And <laughs> I've given up trying to find ways to do it. And... I'm waiting for someone to come along and make my office warmer. Yeah, that's right. And classically, people with an external locus of control, they're basically, they walk into every environment kind of raw and like they base what they're feeling on like the people around them. So if like people around them are in a bad mood or mean or whatever, then they take on the characteristics. Yeah. They're much more chaotic yeah. feeling people because... Yeah, they, they right, exactly. They they don't have like a firm grounded sense of self. It's more mm. like what's going on in my environment, how should I act, how should I be? Yeah. Kind of situation. Okay, so so basically he separated people in the learned helplessness treatment condition into external versus internalers. Okay. So you just had two groups. And then when he did the condition where he moved them into another room where they could exhibit a hand motion to turn off the noise. He found that people who were more internally locust mm -hmm. did a little bit more in terms of trying to get the noise to stop. Mm -hmm. On average, those people were like, oh, I can maybe do something about this. Yeah. But they're like, pretty the, quickly. they're like a wild horse that's hard to break. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. That's a good point. Even yeah. what's his name in the horse whisperer? Ronald Redman. <laughs> Ronald Reagan? What's that classically good looking guy's Robert name? Robert Redford. Robert Redford. <laughs> Wasn't he in The Horse Whisperer? Honey. I don't know. Honey. Not in Honey. <laughs> I have no idea. I was more thinking about Cool Hand Luke, the handsome, the classically handsome Paul Newman. He he is an elitely high internal locus of control person. Did you ever see that movie? And now he has pasta sauces. So that was kind of the result of that. And that experiment has... That kind of? That was the result. That was the result. How can we re reframe that? <laughs> it's only the result. Yeah, it's only the results, honey. Okay, I'm going to get to the fruit. All right, let's get to the meat. Of the labor. Yeah. Let's get that fruit boot. <laughs> on a fruit boot riot. Riot! <laughs> What were we talking about in the car on the way to the race about a musician that was post-language? 
Was it Kanye West? You said, who's a musician that's post-language? We were listening to that Kid Hears Ghost, which is Kanye West and Kid Cudi. Mm. And Kanye West, when it was his time to rap, he was like, like for a long time. And then we were talking about post-language. You said post-Malone. And then I, oh, I said Anthony Kiedis was the original post-language. He's like, ching chong, I'm No, I think scatters were the original post-language. Yeah, but Anthony Kiedis would say words. No one should ever Google the words to a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. They are pointless. Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Looking at the big old TikTok. TikTok and looking at my orange juice. Orange juice and looking at my fruit boots. Okay, I'm so giggly. Speaking of giggly, Mike and I, we ran, I think my run was at, your run was like 10.30 at night. My run was 11.30 at night. Uh, I, my 10.30 at night run was terrible. Yeah, you're, both your contacts fell off. Yeah, it is. So here's the scene. It is pitch black. It is a extremely difficult, technical. very technical, like heavy roots, heavy rock, jumping and climbing. I had a dim light. My eyes were watering because it was so cold out. And then I tripped on a root and fell with such gusto that my <laughs> right contact flew out of my eye. So now I'm down to one contact in the middle of the dark, in the middle of the night with basically no light. And then so I'm running with one eye closed. So there goes my death perception. And then my that eye starts watering like crazy. And then I went to wipe the, like the tears out of my eye. My hand was all like covered in sand and it just pushed that contact out. And so for another like mile and a half i had my vision is garbage too like mm-hmm. at that moment legally i couldn't drive a car <laughs> but i was jogging through the woods and like stumbling around and just like swearing loudly yeah so your run was at like 10 30 my run was probably like 11 45 ish 11 30 11 45 ish yeah it took me like an an hour and five an hour and ten to get that trail done yeah so i ran i got back at like 12 31 and then we were supposed to sleep for a little while and so we lay down neither of us fell asleep really i don't think and then i didn't sleep the entire night around 3 a.m both of us were like god damn it we have to use the bathroom we walked to the bathroom i just shoved my shoes on so i was walking on the like most unhelpful way in my shoes okay. with the t- backs pushed down you were trying to make it as unpleasant as possible and it was so cold it was like low 40s and my teeth were chattering like a cartoon character mm-hmm. Mike was like, are you just doing that? Are you making that up? And yeah. I was like, no, I cannot you, you, control my body. You do sometimes do things for like the feeling of it. Oh, I like that's one of attention. No, 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 no. Like you will sometimes just start going. I'm like, are you okay? You're like, yeah, it just feels weird to my lips. So I thought, I thought like you were cold, but you're making it colder. No, no, I was happy. I got, I just had no control of my body. I'd run a lot and I was cold and you did sleep. I know because I, I did eventually I got up. My last leg was at five in the morning. Yeah. At like four. I was like, I'm, I haven't slept yet. I'm not going to sleep. I, and I'm cold. I might I'd rather like go like jog around and like stay warm. And then I went to tell you I was leaving to go run because you were after me <laughs> and I was with Igor and I was like, I'm going to go tell Diana. I opened the tent and I was like, Diana, and you're like, what? I'm going to go run now. And you're like, what time is it? It's like five. How long are you going to run for? This one, I can, I can go fast, probably like 35 or 40 minutes. And you're like, what time is it going to be then? And in my head, I was like, you can probably do the math. And I was like, <laughs> all right, Mike, it'll be like 645. And then there's a long pause and you go, what time is it now? <laughs> I go, it's five. And then there's another long pause. See, does that make sense, though, to you? Because you said, I'm going to be gone for 30, 45 minutes. No, no, I misspoke. Okay. 
after this like time conversation, you go, <laughs> where are you going? And I'm like, okay. And then I just like left. And then I was walking to the start with Igor. It was, he was awesome. It was very sweet too that he like, he, he could, he sh- could have and needed to be asleep at that point. But yeah. he, I was the only one awake and he's like, I'll stay up with you Aww. and walk you to the start and like watch you take off. <laughs> I said to him right before I left, I'm like, I'm going to be just super pumped if she's at the start when I get back. <laughs> and then when I was running, I had like, there's that shoot at the quarter mile left, which is like the warning for the team yeah. that you're coming back. And I went through it and I was like, dear God, I just hope that you woke up and you, but I was so excited to see you. Aww. You were there and you're awake in your little bubble vest. Bubble, bubble vest, bubble, bubble vest, yeah. bubble, bubble, bubble vest. I did. I ran with that and I did not regret it, even though everyone oh. was like, you're going to be so hot. No, it was good. It was cold. It was like four, low 40s still. And Oh, but what I was going to say about coming back from that bathroom when we were both like pretty delirious and cold and lack of sleep and all that, we started having just such a fever dream conversation around like 69 yeah it was wildly inappropriate very long <laughs> probably loud we were trying to whisper <laughs> but our friends were in a tent next to us and in the morning i was like hey did you guys like maybe hear that conversation at 3 a.m and they were like no we we're passed out and i was like oh cool that's cool yeah, yeah whatever there's there also a part <laughs> after that really gross conversation there is we we're laying there for a little bit and then you like loudly sighed and you just go it smells like farts in this tent. <laughs> and then I thought it was the funniest thing to like complain to the race that our tent smelled bad. <laughs> it was our tent from home that we brought and we've been in the entire time. It's like, hey, race is good. Like you guys are great. Um, One piece of feedback, our tent smelled bad. <laughs> like just to see what they would do. Talk about internal versus external <laughs> yeah. locus of control. Can you make our tent smell better? All okay, right. depression. So let's just start over. Who... <laughs> Wait, I think I was done. Oh. No, wait. Oh, I know what I was going to do. So so I went through Hiroto and like, oh, I, tr- Nixon. Okay, so here's... Nixon, 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 here's Nixon. The, here's, the, here's the final kind of iteration of this experiment. And okay. I think you've, and I've talked about this before, but everyone in the group gets a list of words. Half of the group gets a list of words that are very easy. Half of the group gets a list of words that are very hard. And the hard versus easy task um, for the words is make an anagram. So re-scramble the letters to make a word. Yeah. There's three words on the list. The first word, for example, on the easy list is bat. So you're supposed to rearrange that to make another word. And then the first word on the hard list is whirl, W-H-I-R-L, which I don't think you can make into another word. There's no D in it. (laughs) Oh, world. Whirl. Lure. It's a name. So. um, (laughs) Always claim it's a name. (laughs) So basically, half the group gets easy, half the group gets hard, and the direction is the same to the group. You guys got a list of words. They're really easy. Um, It shouldn't be difficult at all. Mm. Unscramble the words to make a real word. And then like after about a minute, the experimenter says, okay, raise your hand if you've done that successfully. Half of the group raises their hand because they just... Being not aware that the other half has an impossible word exactly and the other half being unaware that the other group has an easier word right so the hard half of the group is like jesus like what the fuck what you know like am i stupid whatever like they have different reactions to it right yeah so then they go into the second word 
The second word for the easy group is lemon, and I don't remember what the it write it down. It might be like, well, like the same word. No, the third word is the same. Oh. So the second word on the list for the hard one, I don't know, is something else. That's impo- it's impossible to make so another word. They out get of. two impossibles. They get two impossible. The the easy group then gets like a hard word, but is it is lemon possible? Yeah, melon. <laughs> I, I was playing the part of the audience. <laughs> okay, so the third word that everyone gets is Cinerama. Both groups get the same third word. The heart group had two impossible words first. Yep. The easy group had two possible words first that were really simple. Yep. Well, simple and like moderately hard. Yeah. So the <laughs> So then the easy group quickly unscrambles Cinerama and the the hard group most of them don't do it. Most of them are unable to do mm. it or don't do it. Yeah, but the third one, they're like, whatever. I'm not. What, didn't get I this. Didn't get it. that. Time to give up. So when they asked them afterward how they felt when they were confronted with like two impossible words, they were like, they basically were like, I felt stupid. I felt frustrated. I felt like I couldn't do it. I felt frustrated that other people could do it. It must be something wrong with me. That internal attribution error of like, I must not be able to do it because I'm stupid or. I'm not smart or, mm. you know, whatever. Um, so they were less likely to try the third word, Aww. which was Cinerama. Bananarama. Maybe it was, this isn't right. It's supposed to be America and there's no end in America. American? American. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> American. I'm mm. learned helpless. You know where a good, like a good diagnostic test to see if someone has learn helplessness or not what if you're on a plane that is delayed on the runway Mm. just look around the plane and the people that are getting up and complaining (laughs) to the stewardesses or like getting agitated are the ones that they've had a pretty sweet life the ones that are just leaning back and taking it are the ones that we might need to like talk to after the flight that's when on a plane if someone says can i is there a doctor you and i could respond yeah be like yeah look at all those people that are passively taking this yeah there's like uh, is the captain speaking? Um, we're 24th in line. We're going to be delayed two to three hours on the runway. Uh, is there a psychologist on board that can come up and just help do some suicide crisis? Uh, throw my hand in the air. So that's that's actually it. That's the end of my. Um, that's the terminus. That that's that's the good. Oh, I sorry. I have one more thing. Okay. One of the criticisms of this theory of depression is that it's possibly not a cause of depression, but rather a symptom. Okay. So it might not be like like people have said. Well, yeah, like okay, they act this way in if, when in situations in which they feel helpless, but that could just be part of the. De- depression itself so we don't really know where depression comes from exactly like i said there's all these different theories i can also see from this theory if you have like a chemical imbalance that is contributing to depression whether it's because of your thyroid whether it's because of other stuff i can see it being that because of your brain chemistry you have lower energy things feel more punishing because you're tired or you're more you feel more negative or unpleasant to the idea where like you don't know where it's coming from there's nothing in the like i have i work with a lot of people that are saying like i don't need to feel this way i have a good job i have a good family this doesn't make any sense and so everything they do feels Mm. like they're getting shocked essentially to the point where 
even after the tr- like they get medication or they get whatever the health problem taken care of, the depression carries on because there's still that feeling of everything was out of my control. I was helpless to it. Well, and also the idea behind learned helplessness is that as a child, you learn this kind of global yeah. approach. Like a more abusive environment. Yeah, you might be in a in a chaotic or abusive environment yeah. where you don't feel like you have control over what happens to you. So then as an adult, you are very willing to suffer. It's a chicken or egg. It's the classic chicken. So yeah, so that's pretty much it. And I think this will be our first in a series of discussions about depression. That's all I got. Cool. You did a great job. Did we redeem ourselves? I think so. If we redeemed ourselves, toss us a little review on on iTunes. Let us know. (laughs) Oh, and on that note, I love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. has been doing you Penn? Penn State. Oh, is she from Penn State? Yeah. Cal Penn? Is that a name of an actor? Mm-hmm. Cal and Sigmund and Freud. <laughs> what? Did you just have a stroke? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that noise was the noise of the microphone hitting my forehead.